You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Hey, Rob. Hi, Michael. Yeah, Rob, you're more talkative these days, I gotta tell you. Thanks, I think. Yeah, I think too. This week, uh, I got a great guest. Every week we have great guests, but uh, this guy I've known for a while. Ooh, can I guess who he is? Yeah. Is it Colin Hanks? Yes, it's Colin Hanks. Good guess. You could read. Thank fucking God. Colin Hanks is on the show. Uh, you know, we are, uh, we're hockey fans. He was supposed to do a movie that I was going to direct that fell apart and we never made it. I've hung out with his wife. He's just a top-notch guy. Well, he's on the show and he was so open. Didn't you notice that? It's nice when guests are here to talk about like stuff that most people don't like to talk about. Yeah, how long have you known him? I don't know. It's got many years. It's got to be 10 years or something like that. But, uh, you know, he talks about everything. Of course, you know, how could you talk to him without mentioning his dad super famous dad who was know. his dad i don't remember we talk about like the early days when his you know biological mother and uh his father tom were together and there was just a lot of crazy stories and how they split up because you know tom hanks of course met uh, rita wilson his soulmate and uh you know he was going to a private school, right? He was going to a private school in upstate California, and he was playing backup goalie because pretty much everybody had to be on the team because it was a small school. It was a small school, but people used to yell stuff at him like, you know, come on, Forrest, and stupid shit that people say. And, you know, people are idiots, and I don't think they even realize it, but just there's so much great, great stuff. You know, his mom uh, found Jesus uh, after Tom Hanks uh, and her broke up, and, uh, just a lot of stories, him being a dad, him not being able to sleep that well, anxiety, all the stuff that we hear about from our, from our, uh, the, the people we admire. And, uh, you know, again, it's, it's nice to see, I don't want him to have these things, but when we talk about it and he's so open, it shows you that, you know, even, you know, the, the big guys, the big stars, the guys that are working all the time, it's not that easy. It's just not that easy for anybody. Life is a pain in the ass sometimes, but it's so, so precious, isn't it, Rob? It is. Um, I think you made up that sleeping stuff. Did I? Yeah. <laughs> I thought he had problems sleeping. That's someone else. No, dude. He fucking will listen to the podcast. Let's get inside Colin Hanks. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. It's normally around like hour 40 per every podcast that someone has to look something up online. No, he'll do that the but, whole time. But, he but doesn't know anything. this podcast, we got that done first. Yeah, we, we, we threw that right out there. Are you comfortable? Yeah. Thanks for allowing me to be inside of you, Colin Hanks. Uh, I want you inside of me. This, uh, this I'm just quoting Wet Hot American Summer, the movie. Really? Yeah, I don't really want you inside me. That was a really fun movie. But I'd much rather have you inside me than me. Than you? Inside, inside yourself? Me. Yeah. I'm going to think about that for a second. How do we meet? Do you remember how we met? I do remember how we met. We met at a Rangers game. We met at a Rangers-Kings game at Staples Center. No. 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 We met in Madison New York. Madison Square Garden. Yeah. That's right. It was right. when I was living in New York. And what year uh, was this? 2000? This is right after you got married? No, before. So 2005. Oh my God, this is way back. You have a good memory. Well, it's pretty rare. Like, 
I mean, you know, when you find someone else that is really into hockey, you tend it's to like rare. remember that. Yeah, it's exciting, right? <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, you're you tend you're to in the business that. and yeah. you like hockey. Oh, he like, he's a hockey fan. Yeah, Rob is a big Blackhawks fan. Oh, and well, Blackhawks. That's unfortunate. Yeah, both. <laughs> you you uh <laughs> so we met at the range game we sat together right and uh then it wasn't too long after where you invited me to your house or how many years then ago? we uh then yeah i don't know within a year and a half maybe two years then we moved back to la haven't been invited since well i've had two children you've had two children and a, and a wife and a wife samantha i got yeah i got married very lovely had kids did she like me or is that is she it? did yeah she did yeah oh absolutely. she thought i was nice yeah she, oh good yeah. good I always she actually says it. hello she's like what why haven't we seen him yeah well we could see each other we will we will now yeah, I, i'd like that i like to rekindle my friendships uh in a public forum do you, do you <laughs> and then take it private good do you have a lot of friends People always say, you got a lot of friends. I think I know a lot of people. I don't hang out with them all the time. I do know a lot of people. Do you think since you were sort of a guy that's been in the industry forever yeah. that you know many people? I, I would say, do I have a lot of friends? Maybe not, but I definitely know a lot of people and I'm friendly with all of them. You're smiling. Were you serious there? No, I am totally serious. Now, I'm going to tell a story and the first thing you're going to say is, well, why wasn't I there? But I had a 40th birthday party where I invited a whole bunch of people. Why Sorry. wasn't I there? I just no, no, you can't. I, I, right I wouldn't have it. even thought that. It's not like we hang out all the time. It's like, here, before you tell your story, I just want to say about your 40th birthday, I've always, I instantly liked you. Mm -hmm. We met. I, I was this fun guy. We we're talking. We like hockey. I came to your house. I think we did. We went to another game together. We did some whatever. We had some. This nice maybe is like the fourth time, right? That so, we're spending like a chunk of time together. Yeah, and, and, as opposed to like, hey man, how you doing? Good, good. And good. we enjoy and, each other. And absolutely. it was like, I like that guy. I like him. I love to work with him. He's nice. He's smart. He's friendly. He loves hockey. That's what it is. Yes. And if we see each other more frequently, great. Yes. But I always consider you a great guy. You're in at the 41st. It's going to be a much smaller birthday party. I have a feeling you might not even have a 41st. It might be at like uh, – Maybe it's just a barbecue. It's going to be at like Michelli's on Ventura. But it's again, the, the 40th was a very public event. So tell me about the story. Basically, it was – my wife is like, what do you want to do for your 40th? And I said, I just want to have a space to invite tons of people – and I just want them all to have a good time. Like, that's it. Like Just a space. Just, let's what kind take of over music? Space. We had a bar. Well, that was a big... That was that's a, that, that's got to be all on you. Because that was you a love whole music. big thing. Yeah. that was Hence it. the documentary on Tower Records. So what music was kicking? We had... Well, I was very fortunate in that my a friend of mine happens to own a, 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 a liquor establishment. Okay. Um, and with that comes business acquaintances, like DJs that he, he uses. Right. And so Rio was like, hey, what do you want in the music? And I said, Rio, you know what I like. Please just take care of it for me. Can I try and guess? Sure. You know, as much as I want to say there were a lot of 80s, it probably wasn't. It got 80s at, towards closing time. Because you need that at the end. You need that to end a party. You need you can't end with uh, you know uh, the 50s and 60s. We started 50s and 60s. I see? Yeah. No, there's definitely some grimy 50s and 60s. Good. A lot of rock and roll. Some old school hip hop. 
for sure. What kind of hip hop do you listen to? When uh, you say old school, too I short. I like to, yeah, too short. I like my prime eras. I think would be eighty six. NWA. Oh yeah, yeah. Eighty six to like ninety nine, two thousand. Wow, you just you went. There's a big spread there. That's like that's a fifteen. But that gap. is considered old now school. old school, and it's the best rap. I think it was. There were yes. stories. There wasn't like I. Yeah. I. Yeah, I'm slowly. I can't. I can't. It's hard. I'm to, so old. Yeah, yeah. It's hard. But I'm like every now and again, I'll I'll find out what the kids are listening to. Long story short, there was this whole big thing back and forth with my wife. Like, you have to pick the music. You have to pick the music. And then she just started emailing my friend, saying like, "Don't let Colin pick shitty music." Right. So she's telling kind of like two separate things. Anyways, point of the story is like. Come closing time, I'm incredibly drunk and I'm listening to I Want to Dance with Somebody by Whitney Houston. See, th- which oh. never, I would have instantly said oh, like, yeah. no, not allowed. But it did. And by the time we left, everyone was going like, this is the best DJ ever. Oh, I want to dance with somebody. And I, dan- I danced with everybody that was on that dance floor. You danced with that, somebody yeah. who loves you? But yeah, so that was, yeah, because my wife was there. Oh, good. She and then up. probably some other people too that love me. Right. But, you know, unrequited. And just- um, <laughs> And so, but that was a, that was a scenario in which I said, there are so many people here. I know so many. There's some I haven't seen in a very long time that I'm literally seeing for like two seconds. Right. But I'm just so glad you're all here. And if I, I, I think I said, I love you all. I hope you all have the best time of your life tonight, a, a night that you'll never remember. And if the cops come, I don't know a single fucking one of you. <laughs> That's perfect. And that was it. That's perfect. Yeah. And it was a great time. It was a good time. Were I'm sorry. Drunk? I'm sorry you weren't there. No, no, it happens. It happens. We'll barbecue. We're, 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 let's barbecue this let's summer. barbecue. You have a new house. Yeah. Well, it's old now. How old is it? <laughs> like seven years. Wow. I haven't seen you. I mean, before. it's not like a, you know, a decades old castle such as this. Yeah, it is. It's like a little castle. Listen, I, I, I was a little nervous about this interview because I figured, okay, this is Colin Hanks. The, the object, the sort of the goal of this show is to get inside someone. To <laughs> I, I, I I sussed that out. Well, what it is, it, it just the title gave, gave pretty much gave me did everything. Did that give inside yeah. of you? With, with it this didn't guy. ruin it. Well, it was sort of like I like it's becomes therapy for me, maybe for the audience, maybe even for you. And I was like, well, you know, this guy has probably been asked everything repeatedly. Yeah. I even went online. It was like it always comes back to well, let's tell us about your dad and how was it going. Yeah. And it's like, how do you be original other than just Telling the story. Yes. Telling the Colin Hanks story. Yes. So I think we, we just kind of need to start from scratch. Where know? do we want to start? I kind of want to go way back. Okay. As we go a little something like this. Hit, Hit it. it. Who was that? Who's saying that? I mean, there's so many. So many. That's, that's, a, that's a universal break. It is. At it's a universal point. break. It's I think a universal right, but break. But you knew it. We were there together. I was there. I was there So together. take me back to like gr- growing up. You ha- happy, healthy. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I sort of feel like I had dysfunction. I want you to know that I had some dysfunction in my life. I have a crazy mother. I have a whatever. So people think, oh, it's a perfect, you got a perfect child. So no, I I mean, I had, um, I, you look, I think everybody's got some dysfunction. If they don't, they're, they're lying and or boring. Um, here's how I would break it down. So basically grew up in Los Angeles when I was a little kid. Uh, my parents split up when I was pretty young. And then my mom, 
relocated to Sacramento. My dad stayed here in Los Angeles, and I would basically sort of commute back and forth on like weekends. You know, how hard is that for a child? Honestly, do you recall being miserable? Um, it wasn't great, but it also, in comparison to what, do you know what I mean? I sort of feel like kids are so resilient and they have the benefit of not knowing what's normal or what's what's, normal or what's not. And then as you get older, then you start looking around and you go like, oh, maybe this shit isn't normal. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? sort of what I did. I kind of believed everything yeah. else and I go, wait a minute, yeah. this is all wrong. And then all of a sudden you're looking around going like, oh, this is significantly different than than what everyone else is, is sort of going through. And that's just like marital, you know, homestead life. Yeah. But then I have this other 12 sides on the 24-sided die of life. Yeah, that are just different, you know, just different factors that sort of go into the tasty fucking goulash that is <laughs> that that is my backstory. Well, is it? Did do you remember seeing guys that your mom dated, and it was weird because I even remember my mom or, or your dad dating girls and going, "Oh, this is Sally," and you're like, "Hey, well, Sally." Yeah, it was weird because were they private? Well, no, I mean they they were all pretty private. It was strange because you know my my parents probably really should never have been together. Why? Um, Because they weren't really compatible, Um, which is not to say that they didn't give it a shot. It's not to say that they didn't give it a try. How many years were they married? They were married, oh God, I don't even know. I mean, let's put it this way. I was three at the wedding. (laughs) Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So, So there's that. And then- I mean, they were probably married like five or six years, maybe. Right. I, I I don't even know. But then he, you know, met his soulmate working who, you know. Uh, right after? Who, well, no. Like they had been, they got married. My parents got married and they, you know, uh, we, we moved around a bunch and uh, eventually we settled in Los Angeles and then. He was working and I had, you know, I have a sister and they had another, you know, they had another kid. And so there was time where they really tried it. And then, you know, he went and met his soulmate on a job and said, I I can't, you know, do this anymore. Um, and it was very honest and very, you know, as honest as you can be. It's like, you, well, I mean, I am paraphrasing all (laughs) a large chunk of this. Nobody's perfect. Shit happens. (laughs) Uh, 50% of marriages end up in divorce. Well, yeah. And, and also he's young. How old is he? Oh, he's super young. I mean, he's in his twenties. I mean, I couldn't even imagine being married. I mean, barely now. Like I want to try and find someone now I'm 45. Yeah, no. And not to make it a, like, once you're married and have kids, you all of a sudden have this supervision or superhero hearing or anything like that but so much of the experience that i've had as a husband and as a father i now look at pretty much anyone who got married at like 19 and i just go like oh you poor kid yeah you that's what happened to my dad he was 18 years old he married my mom who was 23 with two kids yeah of course he went berserk of course my mom they were fucked i was destined to be fucked oh absolutely i'm hanging in there and and especially i was having a conversation with with someone uh just the other day one of your friends at the party no 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 no, this is some we were having a we were having a barbecue at my house and (laughs) oh interesting you hear that rob (laughs) 
<laughs> no, we weren't. We weren't. Um, uh, our, no, it was just like, their kids. Good. Their kids are was, friends with my kids. So I the, the kids were I having to have a kids play. to be friends. The with kids you, were right? having a play date. Yeah, yeah. It, get a kid and we'll hang out. <laughs> um, but she was telling this crazy story about like the whole family decided to do the genealogy spit in a tube and come back with DNA. Yeah, like, 23 kind of and me and things. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And they ended up finding like a half sibling that they had never heard about before. Like Ooh. their 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 parents ha- had a half sibling and she was telling me this story what? of like calling the uh the the like the the place going like hey so can we get more information about this person because everyone in the family says that this person like is like trying to like rob us or something like oh that and then the person said like look i'm gonna tell you something on the record we cannot give out that information off the record it's always a sibling there it's never like a con it's always a thing and so we start i started asking questions and i'm like how old were these people when this happened they're like oh 24 so it's like oh you mean they were children they were children they were children having children and yeah. so like anything for my own personal like history and uh, you know my parents relationship i just now look at it and go like oh yeah i totally understand was everyone trying to just do the best they can okay great then i'll i'll accept that answer but i mean there had to be a phase where you went through you're like i remember this and you were a dick and you didn't do this. Or oh, you, yeah. And you had oh, this yeah. transition, right, where you had to confront your mom and your dad yeah. and say certain things. Oh, and- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah there's, all, yeah, there's all of that. I mean, that's, that's I mean, that's what, you know, that's what the we late do. 30s and 40s are for. Yeah. Oh, so that <laughs> happened, like, recently. Well, yeah. I mean, because that's part of it. You know, once you get to be a certain age and you start being more aware of your own mortality and the mortality of people around you, you start looking at things much much differently both within your own life and the the lives of your family members and so you know with that comes you know a certain amount of self-reflection and therapy or at least you know hopefully you know deep conversations with the people that you may have issues is with. it something like you have something on your mind and it's like you know what? i'm just going to talk about this i'm open enough to say for instance my dad you know we had a conversation he's like you know blah blah blah, blah. i never spanked you or anything I go, are you are you kidding me right now <laughs> this is the person you actually spanked and you're telling me you didn't spank me he's like well i didn't abuse you I go, well you didn't abuse me but you spanked me you don't remember hitting me ever i mean so there was there it was definitely a little difficult. I was very uncomfortable. I have this uh, one of the things that I've been thinking about. First off, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, thank you. Um, I mean, it, no, I wasn't abused. No, 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 no. I I know what you mean though. I, I'm just trying to be a good person and yeah. just say like, hey, that. I hear I, you. No, I hear you. Thank you. Of course. Thank you, Colin. Um, I have this weird thing where I I think it's a little unique because. Both my dad and my stepmom, and, and stepmom is really, I mean, that's unfair. She's been in my life. She's been in more of my life than than not. So mom. Um, mom. Yeah. And then my, my birth mother, who uh, is no longer with us, but they were all actors. And so with that comes a certain amount of awareness mm-hmm. and self-reflection in people in order to do what it is that we do. Do you know what I mean? Which is not to say that we all don't have our blind spots. Everybody does. But 
you know, I think there's more of a willingness to sort of look at that kind of stuff. I, you know, right when you were talking about this, something came to me and it's almost like I thought when people are in this industry, when, when you're an actor, a producer, director, when you're in the entertainment industry and you live in Los Angeles. Or, or whatever, creative. Or creative. I would even just say creative. Creative. That when you decide to have a child, you're kind of saying, regardless of what I do, they will be a little fucked. <laughs> They're just going to be fucked because my life is so different than John who's going to work in Indiana where I grew up from nine to five and coming home and having dinner every night. I'm gone for three months. I'm gone for six months. I'm gone for this. I'm volatile. I'm in my head. I'm doing these characters. I'm whatever. There's yeah. got to be that element. The way that I tend to look at it is it's really different. Yes, there's a lot of preconceived notions as to what it must be like or how rad it is, which some mm. is true, some is not. Ultimately, you try and make it the same. Do you know what I mean? I'm dealing it with it with my kids where it's just like, look, this is daddy's job. This is what he does. So he goes to work. And he works so that he can buy food and clothes and things like that. And so you just try and like focus on the simplest things mm. that you possibly can. This is what I do well. This is what I enjoy yes. doing. This is and... why I do it. I'm very fortunate that I'm allowed to do it because not everyone is allowed to do this. Right. Um, and I do this not because I can. I do it because I worked very hard at it. And, you know, and I continue and I will always work hard at it. You know what I mean? And that's something I've noticed. With, yeah. And you. that that I think is everybody does. Everyone tries to instill in their kids. Everyone does. And that goes for, you know, it's the same thing as, all right, well, I have to go to away to work for six months and I'm going to try and come back and visit as much as I can. Well, that could be any job. You know, that doesn't have to just be. You know, oh, I'm going to go wear makeup and prance around and pretend to be someone else, which is what I do. But there are other people that are like, I'm going to go away for six months and, you know, go uh, uh, Arctic drilling or, you know, go right. hunt for fucking crabs or like whatever, you know, that takes you away from your home, you know. And some people deal with that really, really well. You know, some kids do. Some adults do. Some people don't do very well with yeah. that, you know, and that goes for the kids as well as the adults. So, you know, it's all about, I don't know, just trying to figure shit out. Inside of You is brought to you by Rocket Money. I love Rocket Money. You know why? Because everyone should have Rocket Money because it just helps you save money. How many times do we have subscriptions that we don't even know we have anymore and we're paying so much money? It's just throwing away money, Ryan. I, I found one. You And you did it. You told I me. Found, I got Rocket Money. <laughs> I, I found one. It. I'm embarrassed to say how long it's been going on, but thank you for finding it. <laughs> My God. It was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, because it's like you want to watch some show and you go, oh, I have to subscribe to this uh, this streaming uh, whatever. Mm -hmm. And you, you start streaming the show, you watch it, you leave, and you forget after this trial period it kicks in and it's they're charging terrible. you 10 bucks a month. It's, it is embarrassing. Ugh. You know, 75% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. Before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had, you know, like, oh, I have like five subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for like four extra uh, between, you know, streaming advices and fitness apps, delivery services. It's never ending. And thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. 
Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. I don't like that. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here has been using it for a while. And I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp? When you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss a session? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash inside. Do you remember your mom and your dad at a young age or even like adolescence saying, I love you? Do, do you do you remember like it was there was a lot of affection? I love you. I'm proud of oh, you. Yeah. I want you. To, do you remember hearing all that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. How important was that? Very important. You know, I mean, I think that is something that I definitely fucking try and drill home as much with my kids as I, I think that's I, the most important as, thing. as I can. Like to the point where they're like, "Yeah, we get it." And I'm like, okay, good. It's working. No, but I, I really love you. Okay, good. They get it. I'll see you in six months. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, th- yeah, that that shit's fucking important. You know, I, I, you know, that kind of stuff. One of the most important things is to just try to give your kids as fun and worry-free life as you possibly can. I remember, you know, hearing that quite a lot from all of my parents. And I think what's interesting is maybe when you get older, you don't hear it as much. Or you don't remember it as or much. Or you don't remember <laughs> it as much. Um, and so that's always, you know, something that I want to try to remember to, to, to say as much as to my kids. Um, 
even when they're super annoying. Did you <laughs> did you have a lot of issues as a child in high school growing up trying to, you know, figure out here is your dad's a movie star and your mom's, you know, then they're split up and now they're, all these things are going on. How how do you have normalcy? I mean, did you have any idea what you wanted to do? Yeah, well, I mean, I was pretty fortunate because growing up in Sacramento was is was quiet, kind of brilliant. Yeah, it was. It's it's a it's an amazing place um, in its simplicity and its genuine um, nature. Do you know what I mean? Um, so you know, my dad lived down here. Uh, my mom and my me and my sister lived up in in Sacramento, and like I said, we would sort of go back and forth odd weekends and and summers and stuff like that. But so growing up, I was pretty much just sort of surrounded by, you know, normalcy essentially. Do you know what I mean? I grew up in a neighborhood where all the kids played, you know, with each other and 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 hung out and. You know, a lot of my closest friends that I've known for the longest are all people that I lived within. You know seven blocks of. So to have that be the sort of backbone of my younger years, that really sort of cemented a sense of this is what we should all strive for as adults. Um, which, you know, the irony is, is like, you know, a lot of those other families like got divorced <laughs> like, and then, yeah. and have horrible uh, demons on their own. You know, no, no one's free of that. But that's that's the vibe. That's the thing that, you know, if you you know, if you are trying to get back to something in your life by providing it for someone else, like that would be the thing. Well, were you a good student? No, I was a horrible student. I, well, I wouldn't say horrible student. I was I was perfectly in the middle, but never great. That sounds like me. Yeah, uh, I mean uh, lower than that. Lo- yeah, I mean I you know would have to take classes over again, and I wasn't a great student. I had really bad ADD. Um, yeah, yeah, I still have that. S- same here. Yeah. yeah, that's a great Giants Cup, by the way, isn't it? It is. It's gorgeous. That was just an ADD joke. <laughs> um, Rob, Rob is pretty. He's twenty eight. Yeah, so young, twenty nine, so young. But, but he's just got it together. He's so focused. He's so he's married. He's got a kid. He's. I look at him and I, we talk about this all the time. But it's like, Rob, how do you do it? I don't know. He just does. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Nike. Uh, so in high school, you're kind of a little. Would you, I wasn't. I don't know if you lost is the right word, but your your grades aren't great. What are you gonna do? Uh, what was cool was I actually went to a pretty small school, which it was, it was called Sacramento country day school, country day school, country day school. And it was, um, was it in the country? No, it wasn't. uh, No, but everyone sort of assumes that Sacramento is all the country. Right, right, right. I had a pretty small sort of world there in, in Sacramento, which was, which was pretty great the perfect amount for me to want to sort of rebel against in all of the good ways, but then also really, you know, small and and good in order to sort of instill some stuff. So for me, you know, I did all, well, not all, but I did the school plays that I wanted to do. What'd you do? Uh, Well, I had two great theater teachers, one of whom was an old college friend of my parents, this guy, C.B. Davis. And he was probably like one of the more creative sort of out there, awesome kind of guys who like kind of has his shit together, 
you know, but, just, but not in comparison to the super anal teachers that are there. But do you he's know a what hoarder I mean? when you go to his house. Well, <laughs> you know, he's the guy that like reads James Joyce and he was also the Latin teacher. Eccentric. Yes. Yeah. He's in his, uh, he was an eccentric. And so we would do stuff like we would do a collection of like James Thurber plays that we call the Thurber Carnival. And then one year we actually staged Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh my God. Which was probably the most fucking ridiculous thing on earth. But, you know, a couple of the high school stoners came and thought it was amazing. Were you good? I, that is not for me to say. <laughs> I mean, did you feel like people were like going, hey, you're, uh, you know, you're the, the, the reaction was normally you don't do things if you're not, you try them and if you're not good, you get out of them. Well, the thing with the school was, is that there were so few people, it, it almost didn't matter. Do you know what I mean? And it's not like everyone gets a trophy because everyone needs to feel good. It's right. everyone gets a trophy because, well, this is everyone. <laughs> You know, this is I mean? everyone in the school. <laughs> yeah, everyone's a part. This of is this, right. this is everyone. So you know, like I was uh, Are you popular, maybe to some. Yeah, I I've always sort of been a sort of a social butterfly. So we didn't have like super jocks. We didn't have a football team. So there's no like any like cliched high school things that a majority of people have. We didn't have. So. I, you know, was the backup goaltender for the soccer team, but that was just because I, I had never played soccer and they needed a backup goal. And they wanted to kick balls. And at I'm you. like, well, if I can use my hands and I don't have to like run and, and like kick the ball a bunch, <laughs> so like I can do that. So I was just like, oh, I'll be the backup goaltender and I'll find a way to, you know, be a part of it, the team. And so I would like come up with like little inspirational speeches and shit really? beforehand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would put something together to motivate the team. Yeah. As were, the backup goalie. Yeah, as a backup goalie. <laughs> yeah, I was, mo hey, most inspirational two years in a row. Like, really? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Were but again, everybody got, everybody got an everybody award. Got, everybody was there. Everybody was there. Were you, this, uh, this were you always everybody. tall? Uh, yeah, always lanky. And what are you, 6'3"? I am uh, 6'1 and a little change. Right. Um, if that's possible, I'm six on the dot. Six one, yeah. Inches. Always lanky. I mean, there was a period where um, I went through like insane growth spurts. Like I have like the gnarliest stretch marks on my back and my really, knees. yeah. My my too. knees are really fucked up and my feet are flat. And do you play any sports at all anymore? No, I can't. You just can't. Too I much really, pain. I, yeah, I really can't. And that started pretty fucking early. Does for that me. did that bum you out? Yeah, to a degree, because there were, I mean, even back then, I was like, all right, well, I'm not very good at these sports, but I'll play because I have to. But I was just instantly just like, oh, I'm already behind a curve here. Right. Uh, and it's not because like, you know, it's not because like my parent, I had a single mother who didn't think to like put us in T-ball. Right. But it's because like, I have horribly flat feet and I've just grown <laughs> like a foot and a half <laughs> yeah. in the last year. I'm in pain over yeah, here. Yeah, like I'm literally the definition of growing pains right now and was your mom dating like at this point no else? she no she you she know she really... only dated like maybe one other guy for a brief moment frank. and then that was it yeah no was it, no no i don't i don't remember no I've, she you don't i remember just but she never really dated i remember like a, a dude for a little while um but no she uh she ended up finding jesus and dated him for a long time and that was it
Really? Yeah. She got real religious. She got real religious. How religious? Found religion. Like Pat Robertson on the TV. Like, religious. did it, that had to affect you. Like thumping. That yeah. affected you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but like, what, what a, what great stuff to rebel against, you know? What, what I mean? kind of, <laughs> what, 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 give me an example of something that was just like, you don't see unless you have an overbearing sort of, not, I won't say overbearing, but a very religious mother who's sort of like. I'll give you an, give example. an example. I'll give you an example. In order to be allowed to go to the 1993 edition of Lollapalooza, I had to fill out a religious book, like a, a question and answer, like learning book. Of what you were going to do there. Uh, no, not about what I was going to do there, just about the Bible. So it was like, read the Bible and then answer all of these questions. And uh, like, I didn't even half ass it. I think I like one eighth asked it. And do you know a lot of religion? Went, about no, religion? no, not you at don't. all. No, it made you sort of when somebody forces you to do something, it, for, it makes you kind of pushes you back, doesn't it? Inadvertently. It at the time, it just made zero sense to me. It it really just didn't. I didn't understand how you can be one way and then all of a sudden be so, like another way. And that to me was just. And, and of course, looking back now, I, you know, there are tons of stories about people finding God and then all of a sudden devoting sure. their life to well, you know, their Lord and Savior and all that it's stuff. It's fine, whatever you, and you that's believe, right. whether you don't, whatever, it was just too much. It was just too much. And and that really turned me off of the idea of, well, it has to just be this God and all the yeah, other ones are wrong. Right. Yeah, yeah that's And that's, that, that's I, that I I just, I don't, I don't agree with. Was it Here's the great thing. Yeah. I don't know if there is or not. Right. I don't. I right. don't think anyone really does right. until you know, and we don't know until we're not here. Okay. But I do believe that life throws so much stuff at you that there is comfort in knowing that there is someone else who is looking out. And faith. that that faith in it's all going to work out, whatever gets you through the night, as a wise yeah. man once said. Great. And believe what you want to believe. Let me ask you this. Yes. I'm a Sagittarius and never on Sunday. <laughs> That's a two. How did right there. how did old Tom take this? When when, when religion he's hearing about this, he's got to be hearing like religious mom over here, mm -hmm. ex wife, mm -hmm. and you're probably chirping at him, saying I can't deal with it, the religion, all this stuff. Did they ever was there? Did they ever talk about that? No, I or mean just... I think more than anything. Oh God, I mean I don't really remember talking with him too much about that in particular. How's your mom? Religious? Great. Let's yeah. move on. Let's go get it in out burger. <laughs> <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> that would be amazing. That would have been amazing. Uh, no, you know I think more than anything else, it uh, it was probably just uh, along the lines of, hey, look, you know, you know, you got to live with her. Uh, if you ever need anything, you ever need to talk, I'm here. But, you know, just be a good kid and, you know, I, yeah, I don't He's know. He's a rubber. Yeah. <laughs> would he ever yeah. say something like that? Oh, yeah. Oh, he would say oh, that. Yeah, don't yeah. be an idiot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be three years old going to your oh, yeah. folks' wedding. Oh, yeah. Or yeah. You, don't, you don't want a three-year-old going yeah, to yeah, your yeah. wedding. Oh, absolutely. Right. He would say yeah. that. He was good like that. Yeah. Because yeah. at that point, he was saying like, hey, look, uh, sorry, but uh, that's how you got here. So <laughs> So don't. So, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. It was but the best. I want more for you. 
Okay, so you got religious mom, you got school, you're backup goalie, you're giving motivational speeches, you're uh, part of the theater group, everybody's doing it, you're kind of finding yourself, you're popular, you're decent looking, you're growth spurts, you have stretch marks, your knees are in pain. Wow, you've been listening. Yeah. That's great. So. So are we recording now? Yeah, now let's start. But now, the flip side is, at this point, dad's famous. Well, that, yeah, that had been, been sort of always sort of going in the background you right know? um because even when i was before my parents split up uh you know he had been on bosom buddies right and, and so that was a thing Do you remember um, the theme song to that yeah no it's uh billy Jolson. yeah um so would you would, would he was he one of those guys who's like hey come on set experience it were you always doing those fun things again it wasn't like hey come experience this it was hey this is what i do um, this is what my life is and yeah, be around, you know, um, did you want to be around? Yeah, of course. I mean, I had the luxury of being able to, my dad had a job in which I could go with him to work and that was totally fine. What was the one person you remember meeting that you were starstruck for the first time? Like, I want to meet that guy you're working with, or I want to meet this guy, somebody like, I'm sure you weren't impressed in the beginning. Kids are never impressed, but then there's that one person that dad's working with and I, I'm impressed by that. Oh, um, I don't know. I mean, if I was being totally honest, I was probably like Madonna. Because that was like right when I'm like 12 or 13. Well, what was that? Uh, League of Their, League own. Of Their own. own. Oh, yeah. So I'm like 12, 13. Did you get to meet Madonna? Yeah, of course. Did of you, course. Did you, did you kiss her? Uh, did she give you a little hug and a little kiss? I'm like, she would sit on my lap every like now and virgin. again. She would sit on my lap every now and again. She playing like, backup I'm... goalie for the first. <laughs> well, this is even before the backup goalie. I mean, I was like in, I think I was like in middle school. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was probably like the yeah. That, you remember that, that? But that dude, come on, that's more. Oh my God! Here is the icon of the opposite sex right now. Yeah, pointy bra, the zeitgeisty, and, you know, yeah. Vogue, uh, the blonde ambition. It was that they filmed that in Evansville, Indiana. Yes, partly, they did. And that's where I grew up. That Evansville, were you Indiana. there? I would show up, but I never got to meet anybody. I was just, you know, we were I was there. Nobody's. I you was were there. in Evansville. I was in Evansville yeah, at yeah. Bossy Field. Yes, that was that's that was ten minutes from my house. No shit, that's where I grew up, man. Really, Newburgh, Indiana, about fifteen minutes from Evansville, and Bossy Field, which is still there. And every time I'm there, I always drive by Bossy Field where they film League of Their Own, and it's like still one of the besides being, I think, the number two most obese city in the country. Um, and manufacturing the largest coffins in Evansville, Indiana, and I love it. I love being there. But but League of Their Own and that and, yeah. Don, and Don Mattingly, Don Mattingly, yeah, yep. Mattingly's, yeah, Mattingly's right. restaurant's not yeah. there anymore. Yo, but well, it closed. That makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. It wasn't great food. Um, yeah, you get your your drugs at Hooks and your food at Schnooks. Yes. Yes. How did you know that? Well, because like, look, I Schnooks. Mean, there is there is a thing. One of the things that I really remember about. Sort you know when I was really young, I I don't have too much you know it's all sort of vague. How and, long were you there? Hazy. We were there for summer. We were in Chicago for like the first part of the summer, and then Evansville for the second part. We could have been friends. We could have, yeah. Um, but, I was older though. But like when we would go on, you know, there was a string there in the early '90s where it was like one summer was Chicago and. Um, and Evansville, and then the next summer was Seattle, and then the next summer was Buford, South Carolina. So that's 
League, Sleepless in Seattle, and then Gump. Like those were three summers. Right. And so what we would do is it was summer camp. Do you know what I mean? Like we would go someplace else. Like we, I would spend summers with my dad and he would take jobs. This is back when, you know, actors could do this, but he said, I want to do this job in the summer. And so that I can take my kids with me. Oh my God. And so I would go, we would go out and we'd do summer. And so we would live in these great towns. And, and that, that was before, like he was, he was known, he was established for sure. 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 Um, but that was sort of before things really became surreal. And Evansville, I think is probably where, that was the first time where we went like, oh, this is now reaching like a weird thing. Because like when someone lands a hot air balloon on your fucking lawn, like, hey, do you want to go for a hot air balloon ride? And you're like, no, <laughs> get, get off the lawn. Really? Is that what he oh, said? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember I remember a, a hot air balloon. In Evansville? Landed on the front lawn. And then um, someone came up with like a like a, a hay bale ride. Like a whole bunch of people, like, hey, you guys want to go for a ride? And we're just like, no. Can we have some privacy? And they actually needed to like get a a guy to like sit out there on a chair at the driveway and like tell people to like. So that was not comfortable. Well, that was the beginning of that kind of. You're stuff like, wait, happening. something's changing. Like that's, that's that was the beginning star, of that. This... That was the beginning of that stuff happening. But we have all of these memories of these cities, and so you know. We're as a family, we're just driving around going like, okay, so wait a minute. So it's Hook's Pharmacy because they get you hooked on drugs. And then Schnooks is where you buy the food. So you get your drugs at Hook's and your food at Schnooks. And, and then it just turns People into like family yes. patter. And yeah. we and it's have not a that. Fun place. That's, it really is. I love it. Yeah, we back. loved it. It was incredible. That was like, the, that was an, an amazing summer for us, you know? And that was what it was do you know what i mean yeah. it, it, it you know we had no idea that that like those three movies were going to like start a whole change it, it probably changed your life as much as well in yeah a- well yeah because once you know i'm the backup goaltender <laughs> then i have pretty much everyone from you know the opposing schools yelling you know run forest run at me are and, you fucking and, kidding oh me? yeah oh yeah now honestly you probably hated it oh yeah still do it, they still it, do that it does not uh it i it, what I will say is, Who would do it that? does not guy, surprise though. me. Right, nothing surprises you. Nothing anymore. surprises. And nothing gets under your skin as much anymore. The only time that I think about it is when I think about what people are saying, and if they only understood how inconsiderate that would look, that maybe I would hope they wouldn't say things like that. Yeah, like for an example. Someone uh, said uh, uh, just the other day, like on Twitter's, like the fucking worst for it. You know, all this time I've been like a fan of Colin Hanks. I had no idea that he was Tom Hanks's Spawn, and I went, "Oh, so now I'm just Spawn?" Like it's like <laughs> it's like I'm paying you a compliment because I didn't know all this stuff, but now this and like and when you say that, I go like, "Okay, I understand." Like you're not actually right. really, tr- you know, you're not trying to be rude. You're not trying to, but can you see that maybe that is not the most 
polite. I think, I, I think that's what people do mostly. I think they say things without thinking a lot they of They just don't think. And so that think. that is the only time when I think about it. Does it piss me off? No. Do I understand it? Yeah, totally. Well, first of all, I think and that- Do it, I care? Not really. Well, it probably pisses you off less because in the beginning and all this stuff, you're finding who you out who you are. You're figuring out who Colin Hanks is, your own identity. And now you're a dad, a husband, you're a good actor, you're an established actor, you work, you, you're a director, you make, yeah. you've, you've created like, this is me. Yeah. And I think it's gotta be harder growing up going, uh, it's always, it's gotta always be that. You know, there was a, there was a period there where it was, I think, a little eye-opening in that when I was younger, again, because you don't know any better. Right. You had asked, like, did I always want to be an actor? You know, I did all the plays and, you know, wanted to accept the musicals. I didn't do the musicals. Um, can you sing? I can, but I don't. I, I, that's, I, I don't subject anybody to it. <laughs> Come dance with somebody. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't really want to do that. Go ahead. But, um, you know, so for me, acting was just something that I, I thoroughly enjoyed. I really love doing it. I love getting lost in it and it can get really exciting and, and being creative like that. I literally get high off of it sometimes. You do? Yeah, sometimes. Those moments. Those moments. And when I was starting out, it was the thing like I wanted to do. And, you know, I remember my dad sitting me down and, and basically saying like, look, if this is something you really want to do. I am telling you that you can do it, like you are good enough to maybe have a career in it, but you have to want to do it more than anything else. If there's something else that you want to do a little bit more, then maybe you need to do that. Um, Great advice. Wow. Which is really good advice. And so it got to the point where I like, you know, was trying to decide, okay, is this really the course that I want to take? And I said, yes. And I sort of never looked back. Looking back on it now, I didn't really understand the ramifications of what that would mean going down the road. This sort of the 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 onslaught of oh, so and so's kid wants to do this, and what that really is like to 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 go through. Sure. And maybe naively, I was thinking like, oh, well, maybe that'll be like a thing for like the first few years, but then eventually it'll be fine. And I think now I've realized like, no, this is not anything that will ever go away. It will, ne- I will, it will n- never escape it. And it's only increased the older I get and the more I look and sound like the guy <laughs> to this day. I still, I go to events you know, like big public events sometimes when, you know, he's like getting an award, a medal, a shiny thing, you know, and we'll just be around like a bunch of people and I'll just have, you know, all these people come up and he says, oh my God, you look and sound just like him. And I just sort of have to say like, no, I'm actually younger and much better looking (laughs) and just try and move on. Do you know what I mean? I just try and just just diffuse it as quickly uh... as I can. And let's, can we talk about it? Let's talk about the weather, the food. Isn't this a nice event? Can we just, let's just not. So I think eventually once things blew up for him, there was definitely an adjustment period where I realized that. From that moment on, and this was even just like in college, that 
the rules were a little bit different for me in so much as I don't necessarily have the freedom to be, you know, completely, uh, uh, you know, you No, 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 not, no, I could be me. What I guess what I'm saying is to have the animate, uh, what's the anonymity? Word? Yes. To be able to make a fool out of myself in public and have it not be a thing. To like, I had to learn ah. that there are people there that would say, Hey, you know, he's, you know, making an ass out of himself or he's really drunk and I could maybe sell this information to, you know, at, that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. And that was, that was a little bit of a, a, of a rough lesson. Well, not only that, but did you think you inadvertently sort of resented him for no real reason other than this is what you were feeling? Yeah, sure. But really, it wasn't so much resenting him so much as just, I think, resenting just the reality of the situation and yeah. how that's not fair. Well, I have like a, a thing with my father where it's like it's always been sort of felt like a competition. He always felt like I always wanted to get his approval. And I think, you know, I think a lot of kids deal with that where it's like, my dad was 1420 SATs, worked hard, never missed a day of work. And here I am kind of like this ADD kid with low grade point average and like trying to figure it out and not that bright and felt stupid. And it just, what am I going to do? And then I found acting and then it was beneath him. It's like, you're going to be an actor. It's like, come on. Yeah, right? yeah. And then it was just like, all of a sudden I started making a little money. And then there was this, it was always this weird thing. And did you ever feel like there was also that, all that with the approval thing? Like you still wanted to get also his approval. You want to show him that you can do this? Was there all that on top of it? Um, not necessarily. I sort of feel like more often than not, it was a sort of a, a scenario in which once I was sort of told like, hey, if, if this is what you want to do, then you can do it. So... I started doing that and started landing jobs. I'm not going to land a job that's going to be bigger or better than what he's <laughs> what he's got. Do you know what I mean? And I really, you know, and everyone's like, "Oh, following in the footsteps." I'm like, "Well, no." People are just <laughs> those dicks. Are, think about it. People are just dicks. Well, those are just again, I would label that as like Think about what it is that Just you're at. Think. think about it. Um, which is not. It's a story. It's they not want what to turn do. something. They want to. Not what people do. Yeah. What, I, what I admire something you said, which I didn't know about, was that you would stay summers with him while he was working. Yeah. Now, for me, that sounds like frightening to have my kid around while I'm filming and not be focused so much on work and so enveloped in my work that, uh, you know, I'm not paying enough attention to my child and. It'd be stressful, but he would have you there for the whole summers. I think that that's that was kind of cool. Yeah, I mean there. Were, I mean I wouldn't necessarily show up every day, but I mean there were long stretches when I would. But then, you know, eventually you get to a point where you're like, okay, well this is kind of boring, right. just hanging around. So I'll work. <laughs> I'll work craft service. So no. I work, yeah, I would work really? craft service. Yeah, yeah. How old are you when you're doing craft service? I work crafty on League of Their Own. Get hooked at hooks. What is it? Get, Do your you, drugs at hooks. Yeah, you can get your drugs at hooks, your foodish nooks. Your foodish um, <laughs> But yeah, I worked crafty um, uh, at a, on League of Their Own. I love I it. I PA'd um, a little bit on Sleepless. And then I was uh, actually like a, like a full-time for reals PA, like getting paid to be a PA on uh, Apollo 13. And those were all the mission. I only worked, I worked like a month and a half, two months 
during the pre-production of that and then the the first few weeks which was all mission control stuff so i was like helping wrangle like you know 40 character actors did you think when he got forrest gump and then then i'm gonna move on did you think god dad don't do this voice it's gonna no you're you're gonna fail no i literally no i had no idea had no idea (laughs) any of that was going to happen no, no idea that it was going to be what that what what it became. He didn't know. No one knew. Right? No one. No one knew. No, no one fucking knew. I mean, he didn't even decide to do that voice. That voice is purely based on the the, the kid, kid. The yeah. kid that did it. Did, but would he do that voice around you all the time? No, never. He wasn't like one of those method actors who's he's like turns it off. No, yeah. His the the biggest lesson that I've learned. And I don't say from him, but via him is, hey, it's a long day. Show up on time, have your lines memorized, and hit your marks, dude. And absolutely. then just try and be as as delightful as you can, and try and be as helpful as you can. And you don't have to beat yourself up. I mean, you can, you know, if you need your space, do it. But don't, you know, don't don't do it to show off. Do you know what I mean? Right. Um, just do, just do the work and, and, and show up and be willing to throw it away. And, and, and that's know. what you do. You kind of throw it away at the end. Um, or do you stay in it? I've toyed with every version of it. And I have found that what works best is being as prepared as you can uh, beforehand, which sometimes is not at all. Um, and just trusting your instincts and, 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 you know, doing as much pre-work as you can, but really, you know, just, just try to do your best, but don't obsess over things. If you obsess over things too much, then, then you end up getting in your head. But that is also something that I think I learned just like doing theater classes and stuff in college where you just see people that are so overly dramatic and they're drama students and they're just like, you didn't want to be like there's that. all of this other fucking shit. And yeah. you just go like, dude, that does not matter. Like let it go. That does not matter. That right. is a huge waste of time, a huge waste of energy. And you, your acting is telling me nothing, but the way you are is telling me everything. Do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, that was just sort of like a way to, to not do stuff. Do you learn lines easily? Um, when I am, when it's written well, uh, when it's written well, yes. Um, when I'm in the thick of things and, and let's say the machine has been up and running for a while. Yes. I, I, I can tend to pick it up ki- kind of quickly, but every scene is like, Oh fuck. How many lines do I have? Yeah. Okay. Shit. All right. Yeah. So there's these five lines and then, and then, what do you run them with? Uh, I don't run them with anybody. I don't like running lines with people. You don't. No, I I will run lines when we're about to do it. I would much rather just sit there and write all the words out. Yeah. That's pretty much That helps you if you write them out. Me, yeah. Write them. I have them. a book that is all of the lines that I have said in auditions. It's like every audition and and almost every cohesively every, every job cohesively going back from like 2003. What the f- why? Just because that was how I would learn lines. And so that would be the book. So you just turn to the next page. This is the next audition. Would so you write a would, little note on the left page? I didn't get. Say, no, no, because <laughs> I know which ones I didn't get. Um, no, it would just be, uh, this is so fucking weird. It would just be the name of the project and the date that I went in and auditioned. And it's only my lines. And it's broken up. You know how you beat, cheat, like lines? Yep. 
Um, it's basically all of those characters' lines, and then there's like paragraph indentations based on, you know, the beats. And it's, you know, auditions for, um, oh, what's the one that always makes me laugh whenever I flip through it? What was the one? Uh, was it a movie? Yeah, it was. Um, I remember it too because it was my worst audition story of all time. Oh, great. I want to hear it. What was the Paul Walker shark movie? With the buried treasure under the plane. Oh. And it's like him and Jessica Alba Sam, and Scott Kahn. Oh, Into um, the Blue? Into the Blue. Wow, Rob. That you didn't was... even look that up, did you? He's, I did. You did. did. Oh, okay. No, you dick. I remember I have the, the lines for that. And I, I, I've been holding How'd you blow it forever. And thank God you blew it. 21% on Rotten Tomatoes. Better than my movie. The director on that brought me in he paid me a very nice compliment i think he's gonna be like he actually paid you to come in i'm like no he paid, paid me, for he paid me a very nice compliment he was his he was talking about how i believe his wife was a, like a big fan of orange county and then my sort of like joke at the top before i read was keep in mind there were lots of shark movies at the time so there were sharks with friggin laser beams right and then the Sam Jackson, the movie. Sam Jackson, uh, the, the sharks did something. The deep blue thing. Yeah. Deep what was that? Sea. What was it that the sharks could they do? They were like that? mutant sharks. They were like mutant angry. sharks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then in this movie, there was a beat in the movie where it just said, and the shark swims through the cloud of cocaine. And then like on the next page, it says, and out of nowhere comes the coked out shark. And so I had said, well, you know, before we start, I just want to say we've you've done it because we have sharks with laser beams, we have mutant sharks, and now we have sharks on cocaine. And that joke fell so fucking flat. And again, it just goes. So you want to read? And I just went like, oh, Are you yes. serious? Yeah, he just didn't. He found offense to it. Look, maybe the delivery was horrible. Probably. Maybe you were like this. Can I, I, can, I, can, I can I reenact what you said? Sure. Hey, man, you've done it all. <laughs> you got a coked out shark. Uh, <laughs> Man, yeah, it was it was bad. But so I have that. So one of these days, one of these days, I think it would be fun <laughs> to to, read to go all. on stage and, do a, and just a, a do stuff, like yeah. uh, the highlights. Right. And and because again, it's just the line. It's just one character's lines. So I have no idea what the other character says. That would be hilarious. But you could say. And that, like, would you say the title of each and then do it? Title of each and read like an, an hour and a half. Yeah. Maybe turn it into a musical. <laughs> I'll be in it. I'll do it. Um, after each one, you say didn't get, didn't get, get. No, I, I like I said, I know which ones. I you you know which ones. But you I got like you know Fargo scenes in there. I got good guy scenes. I got life and pieces scenes. I've got Dexter scenes. By the way, so I've got stuff for all the shit that I did get. How cool is I it? I fucking booked that shit. Yeah, I booked those shit. And by the way, how cool is it to be like such a nice, friendly guy and like working on stuff and and you know you're always working, but then to be able to do these roles like Dexter and the Fargo, like darker stuff, where you like. Did you always want to do that stuff? You're like, would somebody give me a chance to do some dark shit? Well, yeah. I mean, it, it was like a couple of different factors going on. I mean, you know, I was very fortunate because Roswell was, you know, happened and, and that was really eye-opening and, and the teen movie boom was happening. And so you'd sort of do Roswell and then I booked the pilot and then I got cast in the first movie and then we did the first season of Roswell and then went and did another movie and then went back to the second season. And then, and then Orange County came around. And that was a scenario in which it was filming during the television season. 
And I had auditioned for the movie and booked it. But then it came down to the negotiations of, you know, getting the contract in place. And I had this television show and technically can't really do both at the same time. And so I had asked to, um, I had asked Jason Kadams, who went on to make the incredible Friday Night Lights and and the television version of, uh, of, of Parenthood. I basically said like, look, this opportunity is so great that I have to at least come to you personally and ask if there's any way that I could do this. And and the show at the same time. And I promise you that I will show up on time with my lines memorized. I will hit my marks, you know, and I will, you know, I'll, I'll do everything that I've always been doing. I have to at least ask that. What do you say? Uh, well, I told him, I said, but look, here's the deal. If the answer is no, I will still come here on time with my lines memorized and hit my marks. Like, I will not take it personally. But this opportunity is so good. If I don't at least come to you and ask this question then I'm doing myself a disservice. But I have to at least ask. Yeah, obviously let you do it. And he let me do it. Uh, you know, I didn't ask to be written off the show, <laughs> but he's That's like, true, they I'm going to write you off the show. And that was the time. And you made that decision too. That was the time when I remember people saying, congratulations, you'll never have to do television again. You'll only be in movies from now on. And so I went and did that movie and it was great and amazing but while i was making that movie my mom was diagnosed with cancer and oh, then yeah. two months after the movie came out she passed away and so that whole period where it's supposed to be super great and awesome and and celebratory was not for me then they go okay more movies and all of the movies are are not as good versions of orange county right. and it's all kind of the same thing because, and I know this now, I'm still in the fucking teen movie thing. Like, there's no other versions of that, really. But that was where m what my sort of pool that I play in or my part of the sandbox is over here, but my experience and my taste is over here. And I spent a lot of time and energy trying to combine those two and really what I didn't realize at the time was one was square and one was round and I couldn't really quite get them together. And so I spent a lot of time and energy saying no to things and not being in these movies that would probably, you know, were not remotely creatively stimulating for me at all, uh, but would have been great for the career. But I just went like, no, I'm not going to do that. And I didn't. And so I didn't work a whole lot. Uh, at that time, I was lucky in that I would be able to eke out work. Um, Are you depressed for this for a long period of time? Uh, go looking back on it now, yeah, sure, yeah, self medicating, sure, yeah, all of those things. You know, a, a, as I get older, I go, yeah, I totally see what I was doing there. I totally get it, and I'm glad that I did it because at the end of that. You know, and it took a long time, but I was able to stick to the to my guns a little bit and was able to go do a play in London, which was incredibly, you know, stimulating and important to me, not only as an actor, but as an individual. Uh, and then I was able to, like, fight for a role on Mad Men. And then, you know, and uh, and all of that work sort of started to pay off. And then, you know, the 
the bit that I have is, you know, you spend all this time and energy to wait for that like truly great artistic show. And I got it and it was Fargo and it was awesome. Yeah. But in those seven years, anthology series were created and and then they said, great, you, you finally got this great television <laughs> show. It. You're only going to get one year. It's going to be like filming a movie. Okay, bye. Right. <laughs> My God. So, it, you know, it was nice to be able to go off and, and, and do those things that were really different. And it was eye-opening because there were people that were like, oh, I didn't know you could do comedy. And I'm like... Well, what? That's okay. You ever seen? And then I realized, like, oh yeah, you have to like show people that you can do comedy. You have to show people that you can do drama, or you have to honestly be on something that a lot of people see, and they they don't realize that you have been doing a lot of things yeah. that maybe they just didn't see them or they weren't as successful. Which, yeah, you know, people are like, you should do more funny stuff. But yeah, there was know, a, there was a thing in there that w- that was happening too, which was. Um, and I have such amazing respect for the way that he dealt with it, but like Jason Biggs and American pie, right? Right. That's such an iconic, sorry, he fucks a pie, iconic, funny thing that is, was burnt into the American psyche is now part of, and then we all did it. Part, part part culture. And then we, what? what? But it was something that actually Harold Ramis had told me when we were doing Orange County, um, that, you know, you got to be careful what you do in these movies because they're, they're going to follow you around forever. And I didn't want to go do some movie that I didn't really like, or that I was uncomfortable with in which essentially you, you know, there's, there's a period there where movies are just like, oh, well, if it's a comedy, it just means it's just, let's embarrass this person as much as humanly possible. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, He's got to fuck a pie and he gets caught or he, you know, he, shock value. We he gotta, gets uh... stung by a thing and then he's got to piss on him, you know, like any of these things. And I just go, I don't want to do that. Uh, I don't, I don't want that to be out there. I right. don't want that to follow me around forever. And so that decision was made. And that decision also meant that I wasn't going to work for, <laughs> for, for a while. And it paid off. And that's. That's that's fine. Do you know what I mean? Now I'm not as picky because it's not as important. Like that kind of stuff is is good. And, you know, I was proud of myself for sort of sticking to it. But now it's also sort of like, yeah, you know, I don't care if there's a gif of me doing something that bad. Yeah, there's enough. It's just everywhere. There's just sort of everywhere. you You just can't. With me too. I, I feel like, you know what? I'm, I'm sort of an idiot. Yeah. I like to be that's silly. Fine. And people catch me doing silly and, shit as long yeah. as my dick's not out. I'll just try out. to not make it be so bad. You're, you're balls established enough, though, to where that wouldn't change your career. Like, my balls? Yes. No, I, I don't whip. I only whip it out no, in front no, of I my said friends. You're, you're balls established enough oh, to ball, where that wouldn't. Your balls are established enough. I'm like, why? What are you talking about? No one's seen my balls, just my friends. You know, I take it back. I don't want to have you at the barbecue if your balls are going to be I'm not, not, to, not with families or no, no, just to like, no, no, don't, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Keep that's that not, outside. That's of, entirely keep true. Keep that outside do, of me. Look, <laughs> not inside of you. <laughs> do, do you go to therapy? Um, I will go on and off when 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 the time is needed. Yes. What I, stresses you out? Uh. Oh God, that's a great question. Um, scheduling is really fucking stresses me out. Really, having to schedule shit because I'm now at a point in my life, both personally and professionally, where I require someone's help 
to schedule my life. And I fought it for about as long as I possibly could. You didn't want an assistant? No. Because um, once you have one, then, then you know, once you've tasted that, it's, it's kind of hard I, to I've go I've had dry. one for years. And she's uh, amazing. Yeah. And it really helps me i don't think i could deal with it without her because there's just like there's certain things when you go away for three months or it you is go, such an uptown problem it is it, it is but if you, i mean problem. it's it's yes but if you go do a movie for three months like who's gonna watch my best friend irv my it's dog who's gonna, an, there's all an, these different things but yes but and you have a family and you have kids and you have this and it's an uptown problem but hey i bought dirt uptown so that's what i got <laughs> exactly. um but yeah that really stresses me out yeah, I mean, if I'm being totally honest, um, last summer was actually, uh, I spent a lot of time in therapy. <laughs> last summer. I mean, not um, good, but you know. Yeah, but uh, it was this weird thing where um, for the first time in my adult life, I found out that I was going to be on a, another season of a television show. Um, it was the first time? Well, uh, uh, let Second me rephrase time. that. The second time, but um, it was the first time where I knew I had just got, we had just finished the second season of Life in Pieces. We got picked up for a third and I didn't have any acting jobs lined up. I had no jobs lined up. And I said, I'm going to have, take this time off. Yes. I need this. Thank I, you. I need some time off. Um, not only for the family, but I had been burning the candle at both ends doing the Life in Pieces show along with um, uh, uh this really hard documentary. And I just sort of said like, I need to unplug and figure some shit out right now. What was happening to you? Um, did you, do you get anxiety? Yeah, I, I do get anxiety. Yeah, for sure. But wh what had happened was I'd done, I did a, uh, uh, I did a, a documentary about, um, the Eagles of Death Metal, who yep. are the band that were playing at the Bataclan, and I went with. Them. I haven't seen this. Uh, oh, it's on. Uh, I'm you, going to watch. Yeah, it. You, yeah, you can you can get it. It's on, right. you got HBO Go. It's on HBO Go. Yeah, or you could buy the DVD. All things must pass. I've seen and all the things way, must pass. Everybody yeah. should see that. I texted you immediately after. Yeah, I was, yeah, I, genius. It was very kind of you, and I was like, wow, look at this guy. It was pretty. Yeah, I, well, and if that was all. <laughs> The doc thing all started because I was unemployed in New York and I was saying no to a bunch of things and I was trying to find work and I had a lot of free time on my hands. So I'm like, oh, I'll try documentaries. It feels like documentaries are harder than make the movies. They are. They totally are. It just it goes in all these directions and you're and you and things just kind of they, transpire as totally, you're totally it's totally it's like the script's never the, written until no, it's done. The, it's 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 incredibly difficult. And the Eagles one was really hard because we were dealing with people that had literally, you know, seen the most atrocious thing that you could possibly see. People who literally survived a, a terrorist attack. And the pressures to get that right, not just for my friends in the band, um, but the essentially strangers that I became friends with, these, you know, these uh, uh, people that were at the concert there in Paris, the pressure to get that right was really really difficult and um you know interviewing people that about the worst thing that's ever happened to them and being that invasive but also wanting to be respectful that's, that's you know, such a hard balance. it was that was a really 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 difficult thing like to, how do i ask this how do, do i how do i make this question right or yes. presentable or 
or somewhat respectful. I'm literally coming into their home with five strangers, and we're putting up cameras and you can't get doing, more invasive than that. Doing the most uncomfortable thing that you could possibly do. Um, so there was that. And then there was, but let's also do this funny show and let's also raise these two kids and let's also like, everything's cool, but then also let's try and sell this movie and get it into film festivals and like the show business element of like, well, why don't you just cut this? And do you really need this? And you know, just all of those Well, you're giving me anxiety now. Robert, this is, you hear all these things he's doing? Yeah. I mean, but. (laughs) So that sent me to some therapy and. What did you take any medication? Because you take occasional Xanax when you're. Uh, I ended up eventually needing to to go on medication. Yeah, and that that really helped. Yeah, made a big difference. Like right away. How long did it take to kick in? Uh, about three days. <laughs> three days it kicked in. Three days kicked in, and you and were I, fine. And I just went, oh, thank God. Oh, great, yeah. And were you so anti this, anti that growing up, and like, oh, I don't need this. I'm fine. I'm not going to be medicated. I'm not going to be in therapy. And all of a sudden, things started to change when, once you realized. Well, there was a period about midway, you know, when I was unemployed in New York, where I started really going to see a therapist because I was just the the focus and time that was spent obsessing about work and obsessing about things that were out of my control was really starting to be unhealthy. Were you sleeping? Was that was that a problem? Lack of sleep sometimes, yeah. And I have a hard time sleeping sometimes. And so that sort of got me into, you know, going to a therapist when I when I really felt that I would need it. And sometimes I feel like, okay, I'm I'm good for right now. I, I you know, I'm I'm all right. And then there's sometimes like I really need to talk with somebody about about what's going on. Things get bottled up. Yeah. Um. And uh, so last summer was really spent doing a lot of therapy, and then trying not to go on medication um and then eventually just hitting a, just an insane wall where i would literally just be sitting in my trailer in total darkness just like not moving and i just went like i i'm not doing this anymore <laughs> like depression like, like, yeah yeah and, and like almost helplessness or yeah like, like it, because things get overwhelming like even if you to you i can imagine your head spinning i can imagine you being because i've dealt with it yeah. i have friends that dealt with it uh, Rob, you've never dealt with it, but I can imagine you just lying on a bed thinking, oh my God, this work, how am I going to do this? And then I got this and then I get this and I got my kids and I love my kids and I yeah. got my wife and I got this. I'm supposed to go this and I'm here and I'm like, how do I get a little lines? I got to go back home work. And all of a sudden you're just spinning out of control and you're not yeah. taking it like in yeah. an intelligent way, right? Yeah. In a sort I, of a ultimate, rational way. Ultimately, it took my wife to say, hey, you're not you right now. You're in your head too much. I can tell that you you you're trying so hard to 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 please everybody to please everyone, but yet you're you're not moving. <laughs> you're not pleasing yourself. You're not happy. Yeah. Right? You lose. Um, yeah. And uh, and you know, I said, no, 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 no. I'm fine. I'm fine. And then eventually, she says, No, you're not fine. You really need to talk to somebody. And then you know, and then you reach that moment where you're like, Oh my god, I'm sitting in a trailer by myself, not moving. Yeah. And I'm miserable and I'm not talking to anyone and I'm not doing anything. And, you know, I released that movie, you know, a year ago and all of this work that I did this summer was supposed to be great and I'm still not working. So maybe it's time to, you know, start some medication. Yeah. So I started some medication and it's it's really, truly been great. It helps me function. It helps me um, be more of myself. I had always been under the impression that like it, uh, it changes who you are. 
and that and is such a absolutely yeah. not true. It's, I just it read is, that last night again. I was reading this yeah. book, the, the Feel Good book. It is, um, it is totally not true. It helps bring out who you really are at your core, yeah. which is you know that person that genuinely wants to be creative and wants to be happy, and wants to be and, happy, and doesn't want to be anxious all the time. It yeah. doesn't want to be. Yeah. There's certain things that, like, I have to fix this. I can't live with yeah. certain things. Um, and then, you know, I started... Um, uh, Meditating? Yeah. Yeah. And that helped, too. I do that every morning. You know. Really I, I, I try to do it every day. Guided meditation helps when someone's talking to you so you don't have to feel... Because then you get too lost in thought. I don't mind the lost in thought. I, I, I don't mind the lost in thought. I, I, it's very easy for me to, 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 you know, sort of get there. Um, for me, unfortunately, it is quite simply, I, do I have the time to do it? Right. <laughs> yeah. Know, I need 20 minutes. Do I have 20 minutes? I no shit. I don't have 20 minutes. Okay. I gotta go. And sometimes I'm like, all right, I got 20 minutes before this next meeting. I guess I'll just pull over and meditate in my car. So I'll do that. Do you cry? Yeah. Oh yeah. For oh, good. sure. Oh yeah. Um, it's a not, yeah, uh, yeah. No, I do. I was. It, what was funny was I was thinking like, when was the last time I cried because of like some sort of outside thing? And you know, when when I came back from Paris, I you know had pretty big sort of breakdown. But the irony is, is I probably cry. I cry all the time, but it's basically just like, oh my god, look at my kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's them just doing something or saying something or them singing passionately to a song I despise. Like I've spent more time crying during horrible pop songs in the last seven years than I care to fucking admit. Uh, well, look, this has been a real treat. I, I didn't know where we'd go. You know, I had read things. Yeah. We were friends. We haven't talked in a while. Yeah. I was a little anxious. Oh, buddy. I, I didn't know. You know, I was like, oh, you know. And then, but it turned it felt, it felt like it just went where it did. Yes, absolutely. And I felt like it was, uh, I learned a great deal. Oh, thanks. I felt like I got inside you. You did get inside me. I did, and uh, I feel like uh, there's a, a chance I could be invited to a barbecue. You're definitely coming to a barbecue. Good. Uh, I will ask a few questions that people take the time. There's, a, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of comments. Within, I saw some. With, I saw some last night. I was going to tweet you like, hey, what do I wear? Is this oh, going to really? be on camera? But uh, then We I, are going to take a picture, and wanna... you're going to sign some posters okay. over there that I t we took pictures. Uh, so these are just some questions from people online. I'm, not, I'm just yeah. – and, and they don't have to be really well thought out. You can you ask – any and all of them don't don't edit any of them don't you cannot hurt really? my feelings yeah you cannot hurt my feelings ask him about the movie careless and how he chose that script and about working with jack black on multiple projects or if he's pissed as his, as my wife that good guys did not have a longer run <laughs> there's a lot of things there careless was a small little indie movie that most people didn't see i liked it because it sort of seemed to have a little bit of a lebowski vibe that's by the way that's green lebowski was the person who said ah interesting there you go, there you go. um uh, it ended up not at all being like that, um, and it was a great learning experience. Um, totally wish that I could have worked on Good Guys longer, yeah, because um, I love uh, Bradley and and Jenny and Diana and Bradley Matt Nix and all those guys. I mean, I had so much fun. Uh, the crew on that show was I miss them tremendously. Um, but I am glad that I'm not living in Dallas full time. It's not a I remember, it's I, not a knock on Dallas at all. I loved Dallas, but it was far. But it was it was From far, and we had just bought a house. I remember and, that. Yeah, and it was uh, fly knees. What is it like working with James Brolin and Diane Weist? 
Uh, great. I mean, they're national oh, treasures. Oh, my God. Both of them. But Jim's hilarious. Uh, and Diane is just the sweetest woman in the world. Who knows an obscene amount uh, about uh, Kanye West. And like Diane Weiss does. Yeah, she raps Kanye. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, she's like all in on Kanye. Mike Fager or Fagerstrom asks Colin about his vinyl collection, and he'll definitely appreciate the inquiry. Yes. Is it a big collection? Um, it is a big collection. I don't know the number. Um, Thousand? Maybe. What's yeah. your favorite? Don't have a favorite. Literally don't have a favorite. What I do is when I go on location for work, I'll bring a portable turntable, but I won't bring any records. And then I will go out to all the oh. record stores and then I label what city I buy the records in. And so my collection is done geographically. Uh, some of your best work, I, I particularly laughed out loud. This guy said, Jacob Bowman, how has drunk history been? You did drunk history. <laughs> By the way, the Mister Rogers, you guys got to watch this shit. It's but, but that's the one I saw. <laughs> yeah, 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 and I, I thought it was terrific, and I thought, wow, that's that wasn't that easy to. No. to you have to you have to have the, you have to know the uh, the sort of the yeah. inflection of the voice. Yeah, like, it's, mouth. it's so much fun. It's one day. It's amazing what they pull off. I really, I'm in awe of of of, of what that crew is able to do. But you got to learn your lines ahead of time, pretty good. Yeah, um, yeah. They send they send you the like the MP3s of of the dialogue, um, and you I listen to it a few times, but I don't really listen to it that much. But then when you get there they have an ipad for you and you just plug in and i just listen to it over and over and over and over again and it's surprisingly harder than you would think because you don't necessarily know when the person's going to start talking so it's it's actually quite melodic you have to sort of go with the melody and, it. and the rhythm of it that would have been stressful there are some people that are amazing at it and i would not consider myself i thought you were perfect i thought you were dead on oh thanks man Angelica in Wonderland, would he ever consider playing his dad in a biopic documentary? <laughs> in a biopic documentary? That doesn't work. You don't yeah. place anybody in a, in a biopic documentary. No, you know, I mean, this is this kind of goes along with what we were saying earlier. So many people ask, like, hey, would you redo one of his movies or would you? Well, that's ridiculous. Or would you? And, and no, I wouldn't. Um, Thank God you said And that. people say like, you know, would you ever work with him? And I go, yeah, I have. I've, I've, <laughs> I've done it numerous times. Yes. He played my dad in a movie that you clearly didn't see, which is fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that would. Uh, what movie was that? Uh, it was called The Great Buck Howard with I, I John Malkovich. That. You didn't see it? No. Should I you, see it? Yo, you would, you would, I think you would dig it because Malkovich is fucking Did hilarious. Malkovich, was he weird? Was he like, no, listen he, to me, Colin. He wasn't weird. I want to get lunch and we'll get some sushi. He is one of the most delightful human beings really? on the planet. Ah, oh, I got to meet Malkovich. Earth. He is so great. He is so kind. He is Malkovich. There's no doubt about it. But he has got a devastating sense of humor name this movie no what you couldn't possibly know frank is that they sent my friend my comrade to my home and well that's in the line of fire thank you he told me a great story can i tell yes, a yes, very yes. quick no, story please you know when eastwood's got him over the ledge and he's got the gun pointed yep. at him and then he puts his mouth on the gun that was balkovich told me he's like i was just fucking around with clint eastwood because I knew that would make him laugh. Did it make it him laugh? It was a joke. Yeah, it was a joke. It was 
and it was crazy. fucking frightening, right? Phenomenal. What a great lesson there. Sometimes just joke around just and put your mouth around knows? a gun. <laughs> Minor uh, still, just define happiness. For me, yeah. Um, happiness is just uh, hanging around with. Uh, There's a warm gun with Malkovich's mouth around it. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah was trying to be serious. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Happiness. Uh, for me, I, I just like being able to uh, be around and not have anywhere specific that I have to be at and not having the phone ring. I like that. First thing uh, when you do when you wake up, last thing you do before you go to sleep, Lindsayak. Um. Oh, God. Last thing I do before I go to sleep is tell my wife I love her. Um, and the first thing I do is probably go like, oh, fuck, it's time to get up. Um, (laughs) uh, as I've got, as I've gotten older, um, I have got, I've resorted to just like, oh, I got to get up and I just splash my face with as cold a water as I possibly can. I like that. Uh, I think this is probably the last one or two. We can do as many as you No, no, this is it. I got to get to, uh, I'm doing an Alzheimer's uh, video today. Uh, They're doing some kind of thing. Uh, Moonlight Instagram. Is your brother still rapping? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) I didn't know your brother rapped. Yeah, he is a rapper. Um, Yeah, he, uh, I believe he is. Yeah, he's also been doing some acting and stuff too. Oh, nice. So he's, uh, yeah, he did, had a an arc on uh, Shameless, right? Shameless, and Marin, um, and wow. I think he's done a few others. I think like Empire, I want to say, or Power. Wanna... So yeah, he's 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 working. He's figuring it out. Actor Robert Ben at Bobby Ben 007. Last question: What job would you have if you were not an actor? Oh, backup goalie for the Sacramento <laughs> Country Science Sacramento school. Country Day School Country Cavaliers. Day. We were the Cavs. Um, probably like in the music industry, something along those. That those makes lines. perfect sense, doesn't it? You know, probably not musician. Although that would be amazing if that had been the case. But you know, it would probably have been something within that within that world. Rob, this yep. has been a pretty amazing story, mm-hmm. hasn't it? I really, I was really intrigued. I was. I feel like it's been intriguing for some, but not for all in this room. Well, I think you learned a great deal, as did I. And I felt like it. You know, at first I was like, I don't want to get too personal, but that's it. But then it just felt right. That didn't get too personal. I didn't think it, it got personal. Right. It wasn't like that. I ever did. I, 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 I could have been like, I could have gotten too invasive. No, I only showed you like two of the ribs of the skeletons in my closet. And yeah. I have many skeletons, and they all have how many ribs? I don't know. 14? Sure. Is that right, Rob? How Find many out. ribs are in the human body? Oh, let's let's end it with a Google search. Let's do it. End it with a... 24 ribs. 24 ribs. 24 ribs. You have the same... Oh, yeah, yeah. You can 24. get them all at Arby's. Uh, this has been a real treat. I really appreciate you uh, allowing me to get inside of you. I appreciate it. It was. I appreciate you being inside me. Did you have a good time? I did have a good time. I enjoy I enjoy your company. I enjoy talking with you. Oh. I think it's so great. I think this is so cool, what it is that Thank you're you. doing. I'm so glad we weren't, we didn't film this with GoPro cameras. Yes. Because if you did, I'd say, really, you're just hosting a public access show. Yeah. We were, do, we were doing videos at first. And now no, no more. And we stopped it. Uh, people were very upset because there were a lot of people that loved the videos. But it was just, it was, and I just felt, you know, 
I think it's better not filmed. And let me tell you why. And this and this comes from the documentary thing. It is so much better to get to know someone and get someone to open up without a camera around. You're, that's exactly why. So that's why go. we did it. So but I, I enjoyed the hell out of this. Thank you great. for having me. All right. All right. Let's take a picture. Okay. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.